big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello, and a big warm welcome to you. This is Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone. And welcome back to the Aware Parenting Podcast. Now, if you're listening in kind of real time, we've had a little break over the festive season and we're so glad to be back. And today we thought we would talk all about, actually, we didn't come up with a title. We don't, I don't know what the title is yet, but <laughs> we're, given we are both in Australia and there have been, as many of you probably know, big bushfires raging through so much of Australia um, so many things going on in other parts of the world, flooding in Indonesia, lots of um, big events happening, which uh, we really wanted to talk about supporting ourselves and our children, really supporting you and your children to to really navigate these these big times that we're in to really support the the natural healing mechanisms that we all have when there are times of stress or trauma, whether that's watching things, looking at things on Facebook or actually being in a, you know, much more in amongst them. If you're in a smoky place right now or you've been directly affected by bushfires or flooding or whatever it is. So we really wanted to, to give you some lots of empathy and compassion for anyone who's um, being affected by this right now. And we would love to also offer you some really tangible and practical things that you can do to support your beautiful nervous systems and bodies and those of your child or children. Yes, I think it was a bit of a no-brainer for us, wasn't it, to come back and talk about this because I think both of us have been really navigating and living this over probably you from a bit longer because if there were fires up where near you were even a month or so ago and, you know, it's been everywhere in our country and people are trying to raise money and and set up food banks and you know support for our wildlife and all that kind of stuff it definitely has been a huge devastation so it's you know i think for both of us we've been working through navigating our responses to it and you know checking in with our children and then you know and we're actually not even in danger at the moment but then being able to just watching and witnessing what's going on for all the other people in our country of how that is. And I think for both of us, we were, um, it felt really important for us to talk as, you know, I mean, I'm, we both, you know, that saying, I always say we work for the children. <laughs> well, I always just think about the children in situations like this of, you know, how do we help kids navigate these huge experiences? Cause they're really big and they can set up some big imprints if we, we don't if we're unable to help them process what's going on so i feel like it's a really important topic for us to explore for adults and children and our beautiful wildlife and our country as a whole so maybe marion you'd like to start because you know you did have an experience of being where the fires were close to you where you live and how did that whole experience feel for you mm. i also actually even want to say before i start is uh, those who who are listening please also um, do what we're going to be talking about today which is if you if you're if this feels flooding in any way for you please pause please uh, there's so much about actually having when we do have choice about how much information we can 
um, be accessing at any one time. Of course, there are going to be times where we're not in a position to choose, but uh, when we are, it's really helpful to listen into ourselves and to connect in with when we've had enough information and we need to actually just take a pause and, you know, maybe, I don't know, go outside and do a bit of gardening or wash the dishes or whatever the thing is. So I really invite you to do that as you're listening in. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, for me, so it was, uh, yeah, it was more than a month ago now that there were fires very close here. Um, there was smoke over many days. It was uh, really thick smoke and it would change day to day. Uh, the The father of my children, their uh, property in their house was, at, was in direct risk. Uh, the, our community around here, there were big meetings about with the what's called the fireys in australia they're called the fireys um, i'm from english england originally so the every australians tend to add a little bit of a ies onto every word that they can so it's the fireys so you know i was really not you know my house wasn't um was unlikely to be a risk but i but it was possible and what i really noticed for myself is just this um this underlying fear that that was there around all the time and really actually managing how to be with that. And I think this is such an important thing to really be listening into ourselves. So really connecting in with, uh, again, you know, how much information to, do I need? What do I need uh, to, to be confident that I'm safe? Um, and you know, the thing I re- it really gave me the clearest example I've ever had of understanding the fight or flight response in terms of, you know, when we're in fight or flight, that's our, our bodies are amazing things. They they're creating all these beautiful stress hormones in order to actually keep us safe. In order in order to either fight or flee. And when we're getting all that energy in our bodies, the most helpful thing to do at any point in time is to actually be using that um, that energy that our body's creating. It's if we don't use it or we don't release it afterwards, it sits in our body and, and stays there and does all the things that we talk about in a way of parenting. So I really knew for me, once I'd got information, that actually I felt really cool to, to literally get up on ladders, clear the leaves out of my house, go and, um, and help others to do the same, to actually really take tangible action. And we're going to be talking a lot about that as well for, for children, that the really important thing is, um, that also is a, an antidote to powerlessness is where can we take action? What can we do? And that is such an important part of this process is, is you know, I always see things in terms of loving, love and will. And love is about compassion for ourselves and compassion for our feelings, compassion for our children. But also will is, is so much about taking action and really um, doing things that, we're, that are actually going to help that um, survival energy move through our bodies so that we're not in that consistent fight or flight mechanism so action is really important I noticed for me once I got up the ladder once I was clearing loads of leaves you know that's what it's there for it's there so that we take action so that was really really helpful um, those are a few things that I can think of for now and look for me observing I was actually being overseas just when all of this has really hit in the last week or so and it was every morning I'd wake up and I'd get on social media and I was just seeing more and more devastation and it felt really strange being away and also incredibly helpless. Like, how do we help? What do we do? And my husband and I were donating money and we were talking to other people that were doing stuff. I didn't know what else to do. And uh, except, you know, in my spiritual way of just holding a vision of a lot of rain or just a lot of support for people doing this, it's, 
you know, I think that feeling of helplessness is is big to sit with as well. And and there's also those feelings too. What I witnessed in myself is I was away on a beautiful romantic holiday with my husband, which was the first time it happened in like 13 years or something. Yes. And part of us both felt bad about having a good time, about really soaking up this beautiful paradise we were in when half of our country was on fire. And that was a really strange split as well to you know, feel like we shouldn't be happy and we shouldn't be where we are when all this devastation is going on. And that's very confusing, I think, for a lot of people to navigate when something traumatic is happening. Yeah. Uh, it's really tricky to sit in that place, I think. it's It can feel very confusing, you know, when any form of trauma is going on or somebody's going through something hard or there's death or those kind of things. It can feel really challenging to still have joy and feel good and also be deeply empathetic and concerned and worried as well. Mm, I think so too. And I, I don't know, for me, I really like to listen into whether it feels, um, if we if we are punishing ourselves or guilting ourselves into saying, no, I shouldn't be having an enjoyable time. I don't think that's helpful. I think if we're going literally, I, you know, I cannot possibly, I know for a few days in the middle of it, I was like, you know, I can't possibly be thinking about anything else but compassion for for the, all the people and the animals and the beings that are going through this and so anything else is just like no, seriously i'm not <laughs> no, no. but there's something different to that which is really listening to that and you know what we're really with to actually having an enjoyable time and then feeling guilty so in my words hitting ourselves with emotional sticks because actually i think it's really important it's important for each of us individually but also for the collective if we are in a moment of relaxation or connection or you know we're enjoying a beautiful walk and you know maybe you're in a place in the world that has got rain we've actually got rain here today to actually also see that that is a gift to to the, the collective consciousness to actually be appreciating rather than feeling guilty and pushing away what's enjoyable to actually let it in and really allow ourselves let it in appreciate it and be so incredibly grateful for it rather than you know i shouldn't be feeling this i think that can be really helpful because we i think we need a lot of that let's be you know i'm my relationship with the rain is completely changed whenever it's rainy I'm like, oh my god so thank you so much you know it's like love rain so much <laughs> So it's I like, really love that. I love that insight, Marion. You're so right. It, it is this, it's turning it into gratitude for what we do have and being, yeah, I, it, absolutely. I, I do love that. Yeah, it, it, that's very important too. I mean, it's like people often talk about that with survivor's guilt and those kind of things. Like I, you know, I remember when my baby was in the NICU and, um, you know, she was doing okay, but other babies weren't. And, you know, a few babies died while we were there. And there's this feeling of guilt because my baby was still alive. And, and in those moments, it had to turn into gratitude that she was still here. And that's what it is. So I think as humans, when we're empathetic beings, we have a tendency to move into that, don't we? Because, well, I think we're feeling for everybody. But I, I love that take on that is to actually move into such gratitude for what we do have and what is possible. Yes, and actually, and then holding that—that that, I want this for everyone. <laughs> I want everyone. And you know, for me, my whole thing's changed. Every morning, I'm like, "Oh, I'm waking up, and there's no smoke, and I can actually breathe clearly." That to me is because so, you know, it can also these kinds of times can really shift where we sit in that gratitude. Whereas before, I'd be like, "Oh, you know, I'd be like, oh, great, it's a nice sunny day." I wouldn't even think about you know, is there breathable air with not being that. Yes. And I think for so many people right now, it's you know really fundamentally shifting 
what we think about, where we sit in ourselves, how connected we feel with others. It's, it's also a really big time of identity shift, which also can be really big, can't I? Like, you know, why am I here? What am I, what do I want to do? You know, what do I want to do to help? How can I help? Um, you know, what does the future hold? I mean, it's, it's such a big time. I think it's, it's so important to be deeply compassionate with ourselves and connect with others and who are going to be compassionate with ourselves and with them because it's a big time, isn't it? Totally. And I think it is, it's, that's often what the contrast brings us, doesn't it? And, and unfortunately, sometimes with healing, with growth, you know, we have to see the contrast of what we don't want in order to appreciate what we do want. So I, I agree with you. It, it does help us get very real around what's important in who we are as humans and what we want in our relationships. It kind of cuts out the crap, doesn't it? It so does. I think, you know, I, it's interesting you say that. I think it's why I, I used to love really working in birth and I also loved working with death just because for me it felt like it was just the purest form of being human because you just there's no room for crap in those places and um that's I think what I used to love about working in that field is that it just felt there was truth it's like who we really are came to the surface because it really was life and death that we were dealing with and and I know that's deeply confronting for a lot of people because a lot of us do not have the we haven't been shown how to sit in that or it feels too painful but there is something incredibly profound in the contrast when things are hard in showing us what is you know what it is that we deeply desire and want Yes, 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 yes. You know, I'd love to bring in the balance of attention here. I find it really helpful. It's such a core fundamental piece in aware parenting. And it's really based on the idea that in order to be able to um, to heal, that might be listening to our child's tears or tantrums or doing attachment play with them, but also the same for us. If we're able to, if we're going to be able to cry, for example, in a way that's healing rather than the way that, that is just overwhelming and, and flooding for us, we need to find that balance of attention. And the balance of attention, the way I talk about it, is it's a bit like a seesaw. And on the one side is support it's love it's connection it's this sense that we are that we are being held with love and that might be with a friend who's listening an empathy buddy it might be our own inner loving crew if you're familiar with my work uh, and on the other side is what we could call the stimulus for the feelings so it's the thing that is helping us feel those feelings and it's really important to be in that balance of attention in order for in order for healing to happen and i think you know when i think about what you're saying is often in everyday life if things are kind of going all right we can we can be over the over this kind of side which is you know there, there, there may be not so much stimulus for feelings there may be not so much stimulus not so much connection so we're just kind of getting along and just doing things and maybe almost in a little bit of um uh autopilot almost we're not really quite fully awake to our sensations and our experiences and you know the big questions in our lives but at times like this and that might be um you know if you're actually in the middle of the bushfires right now is often we'll we'll go to to the other extreme which is really big um things happening maybe you know we're, we're possibly at risk of our lives or risk of losing our homes or whatever it is that is you know the massive big stimulus for you know loss and death and fear and all of those things and at those times um 
that's when we really need to be really gentle with ourselves. It's not necessarily the time to be going, okay, uh, you know, what, what can I go and kind of dig around in? It's like, well, what can I do to actually move over to a little bit more to the middle? That's the time when we need support. That's, um, that might be the time where we're crying, but it may not be. It may be the time where we're actually just like, you know, I need to do the stuff. I need to create safety. I need to take action. I need to be sending money to all the charities, whatever it is. But if we're wanting to consciously, you know, if you're not such an actual risk physically, but you're thinking on a bigger level, you know, what is happening on our planet, which I think a lot of people are right now, which can stimulate really big feelings in us. So how can we be with that in a way that we stay connected with ourselves and we stay in the healing? And that's really finding that, that balance of attention in the middle, which is how can I have enough connection, enough support, enough presence in my body and stay connected enough in with what's happening to be able to feel, to care, to cry, to, um, to, to feel alive, to be, you know, taking action. And I think it's often a little bit of a dance of playing with that. So for example, I even found on Facebook, you know, when I heard about the, you know, it's a billion animals apparently now that have been um, killed in these bushfires. To talk about a billion animals, it's just so, the amount is so big, it's it's impossible really to be able to, I think, to feel that. But there was one particular video, for example, where there was one man who's going out just on his own through the through the places where the fires had been and he went and he found, and I'll probably cry again, he found one little koala just sitting at the, the base of a tree, just all curled up and just in such shock. And it, that was the video that helped me just just sob and cry and cry and cry and the thing was for me because that little creature was hurt but it was saved and there was someone there saving going out and caring and saving so for me that's my own balance of attention is that <laughs> if you know it, it, we need to each find for ourselves what the balance of attention is so that we can cry and I see you're touched as well like that that we can feel but not in a ways that we feel completely flooded so that we can't actually function particularly as parents we need to be there for our kids but also not in a way that we're just continuously dissociated and in shock and numbness we need to gently and and so with such love and care find okay where can i feel in what where can i let myself just open my heart a little bit and feel in a way that feels like a relief and so for me I noticed when I started connecting when I found a few that would do that for me I could also yawn so when we're crying when we're yawning that's a clear sign that we're actually releasing some some stress and some fear and all the things that we've been holding inside and I think in these times that we're in it's going to get more and more important that we're that we're doing that on a regular basis or clearly not if we're in the midst of, you know, is, is this life or death, but if we're going to be living on a planet where this kind of stuff's going to be happening more often, we're going to need to find regular ways of finding that balance of attention so we can be releasing so that we can stay connected with ourselves, with our children, with the creatures, with the earth. It's, it's vitally important. Yes. Yes to all of that. And I think, for me, what I would add to that too is that I know that for a lot of people when traumas happen or big things happen, survival demands that we disassociate sometimes and we yes. hold it in and it is not safe to even begin to feel what I feel. And I think what you're offering there, Marion, is so beautiful because it's when we can feel just tiny little bits, it allows the pressure to move a little bit, it allows us to soften so that we don't get to a point of holding so tightly 
and the fear becomes so great. If I let this in, I possibly may not be able to come back from it. You know, I may not be able to feel okay again because I'm going to feel the enormity of my grief or my fear or my panic or my terror or all those things. So it is exactly, it's like a little valve that we turn to allow little bits and pieces to come out. And this is very similar when people are managing death of a loved one. You know, it can be so common to just move into disassociation where I can't afford to feel because if I do, what's going to happen, you know, and I think it is, it's that gentleness with ourselves to slowly allow it to unfold. And, you know, that balance of attention, I absolutely relate to that. For me, I think the part where I kept crying when I was overseas is every time I would see people coming together to help every time every time celeste barber posted another video of how much money and particularly at times where she would get emotional i would just cry because i was like you know i just so salute her this woman who's like we've got to do something and she just used her platform in an incredible way to raise 50 million dollars it's just so amazing uh, and every time I saw people helping and coming together, that's what often brought me undone for sure. You know, it's the, that human aspect of people dropping all their stories and prejudices and just everything and going, we're humans and how do we help? And, you know, that extraordinary open-heartedness of what we are here to do in connection and love was that was that was my that was my beautiful spot for sure so gorgeous and it is in essence the the balance of attention isn't it because it's seeing people care it's seeing whether it's the man with the koala or the the groups of people coming together and driving you know hundreds of kilometers to take things to people and all of that stuff it's it's knowing i also think it's the invitation of our times isn't it it's like are we going to come together are we going to cry are we going to actually realize that we are we're all in this together and if we don't help each other yes it going to go so well yes i think we're living in a time where we need to be more real and unfortunately events like this are what shakes us up as humans i think and and i have faith in the power of humans when we see what can happen when we're up against the wall you know, it's, it's, it's extraordinary and it, I think it, it's heart expanding on many, many levels. And unfortunately, it sometimes takes tragedy and it's not, nobody wants this, but I think that sometimes, again, it's that contrast that brings us together as people, yeah, as humans. I also think that sometimes what we need to change, like even on an individual level, sometimes I, I know, sometimes we things need to get quite quite unenjoyable in some particular area for us to go and I think that can be from anything to like eating foods and just not feeling so well and just going okay I'm really not willing to do this anymore and I, I think that's often the way we change happens isn't it it's where we go okay this is really it's really not working we need to do yes. something different and yes that's yeah. it yes the planet's asking us to do something different I think now um so so I would also love to explore talk about how this can be for children because yes. you know our beautiful little children Uh, whether we talk about it to them or not, they're feeling what is going on. They may be hearing things on social media, on the television, people are talking about it. Uh, And even when they're little, they are still picking up a collective fear that can be present. So, you know, we both wanted to really talk about how we can support children to navigate times that are traumatic or 
you know, events where, you know, there is a lot of fear, how we can help them stay as connected and in, as in balance as possible. So I think the first thing, I mean, look, on, we talk on usually a few levels of how children process events and, and work through. So, of course, you know, the obvious one of tears and tantrums and those kind of things of creating that space always to hold for our children to, you know, process whatever's going on. And that may be more frequent if there is being big events or, you know, look, of course, if children are being evacuated out of places or there's a lot of fear there and stuff going on, then, you know, children, again, like adults can move into disassociation. So it might take a bit of time for the big feelings to come out until there is a safe enough space for it to process. So particularly if children are in those critical situations with their adults, it may not be that they're expressing anything. They may look like they're just carrying on and coping really fine. And it's not until they feel energetically that their adult or their caregiver is safe or feeling okay, that that's when the feelings may come up, you know, in those moments. So it is being just, I think we always talk about trusting the timing of the child will bring the feelings when they're ready to do it. So sometimes in those crisis points, it's not going to happen, but months later, that's where it can turn up. And all of a sudden, big fears may turn up, lots of tears, you know, getting really upset around things that don't even seem really big. Like we talk about that broken cookie, that it's about something very, very trivial, but they have big, big feelings about it. So it's just watching and being aware of, you know, our, our kids and trusting that when they're ready to process it, they will. And of course, as an adult, our job is just to try and stay as connected as possible to them so they know it's safe to bring those feelings when the time is ready. So it is trusting that timing. Um, as well as the big feelings and emotions, play is just one of the most wonderful ways that children do process scary big events and they will play games that help them understand and make sense of whatever's going on so you know for children who have been in this it would be really normal for them to want to play games around fire it would be very normal for them to want to play emergency games it would want to be very normal for them to play fire trucks it would be very very normal for them to play anything that's about help we need to get away and and together in their play they're they're playing through the experiences that they've lived. And this can be very challenging for adults to watch for sure, particularly when they're right in the middle of it. But I'm sure you agree with me, Marion. It's totally trusting that children know what they need to do to process. And, and our job as an adult is to create that space to hold for them so that they can process it. I was going to share a story, and I, I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast before. Have I, have I Marion, about um, my children and the death? I think you may have done. Okay. I you I have, but I think it's so, it's such a, uh, yeah, I, I even, I share your story with people. So, so. Um, so I share this story and, you know, please forgive me if you have heard it before, but that, um, you know, a very good friend of ours, our beautiful family friends, their son died. He was 17 and, you know, he'd been unwell for a while and and we were blessed enough to be in the respite home with them and spending a lot of time with their family as he was making that transition. So my youngest must have been about eight or nine at the time and then my older daughter was like 14 and my son was older than that. And we kind of came and went from the respite about uh, where he was and where he was, you know, getting ready to, 
to move on. And what was fascinating is my youngest daughter and her friend, who was um, the young boy who was dying, his sister, they were just playing together and they wanted to play the death game. So obviously there was the kids around, there was a lot of adults, you know, everybody was obviously talking about how he was going to pass soon. You know, there was tears, there was also a lot of beauty. And so the kids were just around all the time, really normalising what's going on. And um, the two girls decided to play this game where they were up at the top of the stairs and they had this plastic doll and it was missing an arm. And they would hold the doll and they'd throw it down the stairs as hard as they can and they would yell, die, doll, die. And then they would laugh so hysterically that you couldn't help but laugh because their laughter was so funny. And they'd run down the stairs and pick up the doll and then come back and then do it again. And then they'd go, now we have to have a funeral for the doll. And they would make this mock funeral. And it was fascinating to sit and watch. And, you know, I obviously, I think just with my understanding of, of this work, knew exactly what was going on. And I just sat there in complete awe of what they were doing to process what was happening. And my beautiful friends, you know, are saying to this is good, this is really good because they feel safe enough to process what this is about. So they played the death game for a while and they moved on to another game and then they would come and sit with our um, beautiful young man and they would walk into his room and they were really quiet and they would hold such reverence for him. And then when that was enough, they would walk out and play another game and and it was really exquisite to watch them process what was happening uh, in this incredibly sacred, intense, you know, emotional time and, and really trusting what they did. And then, you know, obviously after he passed, you know, I did a lot of listening to my kids and their feelings and just watched them acutely. And and then, you know, months, maybe about a month or so later, my, my younger daughter again wanted to play the death game, which was a little bit more um, <laughs> graphic. But not, I think I've shared this, we we're sitting at dinner and uh, she just kind of comes out with, you know, um, if somebody walked in the door and said you had to murder one of your family members, who would you let them kill? And we're all sitting there going, what? And she's like, I'd kill Kai. Like she's like, she's going to kill her older brother first. And her older brother's laughing and why do you kill me? And then we just have this whole hilarious conversation about who we would kill first in the family. And then my daughter's like, let's look on our phones on our favourites and see who we'd kill first of our favourites. And I'm like sitting there going, oh, my God, I hope no one's listening to this. But the laughter that came from this was absolutely incredible. And we laughed and we laughed about death and about who we'd kill. And it was just exquisite watching all three of my children and my husband and I were in hysterics as well, laughing around this, you know, really delicate topic. And at the end of it, it was like we all took this collective big sigh. And my my daughter at the time, she was maybe eight or nine, goes, oh, that was such a fun game. We should play it next time someone comes over for dinner. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know if that's an appropriate dinner game. <laughs> but I think that whole experience showed me so beautifully in trusting what children need to do in learning to cope with situations that feel big and stressful and emotional. And I'm so grateful for that whole experience of my kids being involved in that, um, but also being able to watch them process that as well. So, and it's really similar to things like if children have, you know, upsetting events and have to go to hospital, if they, you know, have a traumatic event, you know, with their bodies, if we give them the opportunity, they will often play that out later. They will play hospitals, they will play doctors, they will play ambulances, they will play games that help them process what it is that happened for them in those moments. And I think if they invite you into that play, that's brilliant, like go in and play with them and just watch and be curious as to what they are playing and how they are processing it. I just think children are so extraordinary 
when we give them the opportunity to process, to feel, and to let it go. I, this is where I think we could just learn so much. <laughs> we? They're so good at it. Whereas we just hold on to it and hold on to it and hold on to it. And whereas they just go, here it is. Yeah, I was actually thinking the same thing. It's like really, it's not only trusting them, isn't it? It's like really learning from them that we that we all, that we actually all have these inbuilt capacities to heal from stress and trauma, which is the fundamental aspect of aware parenting. It's just most of us learnt to stop using those, to distrust those, to repress those because of the culture that we grew up in, which does not trust children and does not trust the natural healing mechanisms that we're all born with so it's actually not only trusting them but observing them and watching and learning from them how could how could i bring that more in how can i join in yes exactly Mm. i also think it's you know kids can also do things like drawing drawing is a beautiful way for them to process they might want to draw what happens they might want to write stories around what's happening you know if that's if they're of the appropriate age to do that um, of course talking about it i mean i think there's that also too as a element that kids can be upfront saying i'm scared are we in, you know are we in danger and and i think it's you know to reassure children if we can absolutely that you're safe and sometimes facts can help a lot for children to help them say you know this is where we are and we're really far away from this event and i know that feels scary and tell me what what you're worried about and and again opening up conversation for them to speak about it freely i think you know if we just kind of they, they express it free and we go, oh, don't worry about it, we'll be fine. You know, we're shutting off a whole opportunity for connection and conversation and process around how that might feel for them. So always asking those questions of, you know, what does that feel like for you and, and acknowledging that must feel very scary and, and what else are you feeling and just really opening up as much as you can to let them express, you know, if they're of that age, like little ones don't necessarily do that. But if you have kids that are seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, you know, older, they often may need to talk about it as well and just keep creating that space for them to talk about it. And it may be that in those times too, they need more connection and reassurance. They may want to sleep next to you. They may not want to be in a room by themselves. And all of that is really, really normal as they are processing and making sense of what's happening you know, until they can let some of those big feelings go. And it's also really remembering, uh, and you may even want to go back to our podcast when we talked about behavior and feelings, it's really knowing that when children have accumulated painful feelings, uh, that that is what causes so many of the behaviors that we don't enjoy as parents. So you may be seeing that they're taking longer to go to sleep or they're waking up more at night or they are not cooperating as much or they might be um you know i don't know just running around agitated and antsy or they're hitting and biting or throwing doing all of those things is really remembering and i think that's why even more important are these kinds of times to remember that those are symptoms of those accumulated feelings in their bodies they are not enjoying it they that's the last thing that they want to be doing is feeling those feelings feeling that kind of stress in their bodies they would love much prefer to express it let it out so that they can feel calm and relaxed again so whatever we can do to remind ourselves that that behavior 
is not, you know, all the things that the old fashioned paradigm said, <laughs> all the judgments and all of that, that actually they're really those just indications of what's going on in their bodies and that absolutely they can express those and release those in all the beautiful ways that mm-hmm. you've talked about. And, and I think the same applies for adults as too, is that, you know, if we are holding space for our children within that and we're also holding, trying to survive or whatever we need, that same tenderness and care to offload our feelings as well. So whether that is, you know, a listening partner, someone who you can connect in with to just speak and cry and have that space held for you to process what your fears are, uh, whether you need to do some writing and journaling around it, whether you need to move your body, exactly as you said, Marion, to move into action to make a difference, whether you need body work, so some, you know, body work to help the stress and your nervous system come back into balance can be also very, very powerful. And, of course, you know, of course we always talk about we need to take care of ourselves so we can, you know, hold that space for our children. So, you know, sometimes it isn't, we can't do it in those moments and sometimes it's weeks later, sometimes it's months later where we actually go, okay, I can let my nervous system settle a little bit more now and, and I will move into that healing process. And and timing is different for everybody. So, you know, if, if you are in the middle of all of this and it's feeling overwhelming, then, you know, so much gentleness. You, there's nothing you need to do but just be how you are. You know, this is these are all just beautiful invitations and suggestions that you might want to do when the time is right for you. But of course, you know, when we are in the midst of trauma, we are all about survival and survival looks different for many people. And once I think we know that we are safe on some level, then that's when the healing happens and occurs. And that's where I think one of the most important things that I have learned in being in situations where it has been about survival and and processing trauma is to ask for help, is to welcome support, is to lean into the places that feel uncomfortable and to be held uh, with enough tenderness and compassion to let those feelings out so that I can come back to the balance that I need to be in. So, so much gentleness in our own unique journeys around it. Mm, I, I was thinking as well about behavior in terms of adults that we may also be noticing that perhaps our friends are, or partners or family members are responding in perhaps a little bit more short ways or, you know, just less asking about how you are, all that kind of stuff. And again, that's really normal and natural. If we've got, if we're feeling stressed, we're, we're, we're often going to be maybe a little bit more short or maybe a little bit more grumpy and all of those things. Again, to, if we can have compassion for ourselves and them, that those, those are really normal and natural things when actually the bulk of our attention is based on, oh my goodness, you know, how am I going to get through this? The other thing I find really helpful is when we had the fires close by and the smoke all the time, I was really noticing my my repression mechanisms up leveled to the next level. Um, I was very grateful we have this um, lovely panna, which is from your way um, down in um, Victoria, this panna um, chocolate vegan ice cream that I suddenly discovered. And I really went through quite a lot of chocolate ice cream and I was completely compassionate with myself and completely aware of it and I think really understanding as well again I love this approach is that actually understanding repression mechanisms means also we can be really compassionate with ourselves and actually use them in conscious ways like if we're feeling flooded and right in that moment we're not in the balance of attention and we're not in that place yet as you so beautifully talked about to be ready to be crying or sharing is like if we need to do things to to actually hold those feelings at bay 
to do them consciously and with self-compassion is really a wonderful thing. And same for our children. We may suddenly notice your child wants to eat more sweet things or have more screen time or they're picking their nose or they're twirling their hair or they're biting their nails or they've got, you know, whatever the thing is for them is also to hold with compassion that they're, you know, they're doing what they need to be doing until the environment has the resources to listen to the feelings that those mm -hmm. behaviors are holding in. So I'm all for such um, appreciation for oppression mechanisms. And, and I think if we can use them consciously and with compassion, then, then when we don't need to do it anymore, we can go, Oh, okay. I don't actually need to do that anymore. And we don't need to add a whole lot more hurt on by, by being Judging. harsh with ourselves about, about that. So mm. I was like, yep. Chocolate ice cream. I'll have another one. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just bought some of that today and I oh thought, my God, isn't yeah. it delicious? <laughs> if you're in Australia and you can get it, Pennant chocolate ice cream. Oh my God. Oh my it's God. Kind of heaven. It tastes like not, not vegan, not healthy. It just tastes like normal chocolate ice cream. So, and, it's, and you can eat it for breakfast because it's like it's a so healthy. It's, so healthy. Just, it's amazing. Anyway. Picking up palm sugar anyway. Yeah. Anyway, for those of you who are overseas, sorry. <laughs> I'm sure you got something equivalent, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that point. Yeah, the, yes, of course, the gentleness. Sorry, you were going to say something? Oh, and also compassion. You know, if, you, if you're actually in the middle of something right now, and I, I just think, you know, I know for me when I'm more in the middle of those things, it's like when people are, it's painful to even see other people enjoying themselves is it, or having ice cream. Like if you're in the middle of this right now, I just, I send you so much love and compassion and, and the biggest squishiest hug mm, yeah i think we are both feeling deeply for all our beautiful wildlife and for you know all the people out there and our land and all those yeah it's just yeah sometimes all you can do is just send a lot of love can't you mm, yeah i did want to say i don't think we talked so much uh, about supporting our children also in taking action so really as i was saying at the beginning about the importance of that is i think it's really important and especially if you are talking about climate crisis or any of that kind of stuff to be supporting children to know that every everybody everybody's voice makes a difference if you're following greta turnberg i love how she's talking about that nobody's too small but in terms of a nervous system and um, body level for children to know that they can do something and that might be learning how to knit to make a, a pouch for for um you know orphaned joeys or going to the the um the fridays um strike the school strike for climate on fridays and making a banner for that or um you know having a making a lemonade store to raise funds to send to to charities that are supporting you know to actually support them in you know what would you like to do i'm here to help you and to really support them in that and also i think also to be really aware of how much information we're giving them if they are younger is like to be really really actually cautious around they are picking up everything but we're also cautious around what kinds of things especially if they're really little these really really big global issues are are things i think to be sharing with our other adult friends and yes that they are going to be feeling into that but i think it's giving information that is also you talk about age appropriate it's like really supporting them to to come to ways that are that are going to be more um it's going to be more possible for them to kind of really integrate it and in ways that aren't terrifying basically yes yes i agree totally the children 
again, in the sense of just sometimes how old they are, can really take what they're saying or hearing and and make it mean something for them. And so I think that is really that age-appropriate information and checking in constantly. How are you feeling about that? Where are you at? Being open to have those conversations so that they can process or ask questions because so often it is the way children perceive one thing and make it mean something and then we have to actually clarify and what they're worried about actually isn't even real so or it's just something else that they've perceived so I think that's really good Marion to just you know, be mindful be really mindful about what we're exposing them to and also what we're talking about sometimes around them yes mm. and I think similarly is like you know if you're watching things if you have a tv and you're watching things but also for ourselves if you're scrolling facebook for example it's actually being aware that you, you can cho- choose. And I think that's part of the, the autonomy and agency piece. It's really important to, to make choices. I know at certain times I was scrolling and scrolling and actually it wasn't, I was starting to get flooded and it's really helpful to go, okay, that's enough. Mm. You know, we talked about this at the beginning, but to, to really notice that. Mm, yes. I can also share one personal experience because I, I grew up, um, my dad was uh, very into the environment. He was talking about, um, melting um, ice what are they called I can't even think of what they're called now those things <laughs> the, the, the ice the, those things when I was a teenager in the uh, early 80s late 70s early 80s so and he was very angry and I really grew up with that very particular perspective and and he he shared it with me in a way that was not helpful <laughs> that I was really scared and, you know, from my own personal experience of that, it's really helped me see that it's really important how we share these things and how we do our own processing on around it so that we're supporting our children to be, and we're going to talk more about this, but actually resilient and, um, you know, to be able to be connected with their feelings and, and processing and supporting that in, so that they're not just going to be like how I was. I was, I was just terrified, basically. So I, I really am so grateful for that experience because it's helped me see how I don't want to do it (laughs) yeah that's thank you for sharing that that's really important that's really important and I think also too you know we that anger and feeling mad is normal like yes it's wonderful it's wonderful yes it promotes action for sure and but I think also we need to be very mindful about how our children hear that take that on where that sits if that's creating more fear so it, it is Yes, I think there needs to be a little bit of consciousness around it for sure. Yeah. And I always like to differentiate as we do in aware parenting between, uh, for me, outrage and, and the neo knows I, I am not willing to support this system, you know, whatever it might be. What can I do to make a change rather than just constantly being angry at, you know, individuals who are doing certain things, but actually to go, where, where can I find my own power and agency in this and where can I support my child to actually have a sense that they what they do does make a difference and that that everything makes a difference yes yes I love that thank you yes so shall we finish off is there any offering that you would love to offer our listeners of just something that they can take away Hmm. I have found my inner loving crew just so um supportive over this time and if you're not familiar with that my work but it's really simply checking in closing my eyes and connecting with and it might be even right now if you're sitting down connecting with the support of the chair underneath you and maybe putting your hand on your heart or your forehead and just connecting with with loving support might be divine mother divine father whoever however it feels for you and just you know i'm right here with you i'm listening Mm. 
to help us know that we are supported and we are loved. And I find that so invaluable at times like this. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. How and about I guess you, my offering would be um, to just, well, I always kind of say be curious around your children, just to watch and observe and see where they are, if, if they are playing in a certain way that's helping them process, if they are, you know, there's more big feelings that you're seeing, you know, seeing if you can move into compassion for yourself to hold space for them and also for you to reach out and get the support you need. If, if you are in, or in this big place of process or trauma or whatever it is, what is, what is, what is absolute kindness for you right now to help you, you know, find your way? whatever way you need so yeah yeah and i think look um there is many resources out there on processing trauma there's a lot of different work there's a lot of body work stuff i might put some links in the bottom of our show notes so that people can go and have a look at different stuff you can read there's some great websites all that kind of stuff there's some great um workers out there who do a lot of great body work and stuff to help process trauma so um yeah we'll put some links in there you know for if anybody needs some extra support and I wonder also, Alita Salter's book, Tears and Tantrums, is just really helpful to, to come back to, to just really remember that tears and tantrums are natural healing mechanisms and that the more we support our children in in staying connected with those natural mechanisms, the more they're going to be naturally offloading, expressing stress and you know, all, the, all the things that are happening right now. Yeah, that's it. So thank you everybody for being here. We're sending a lot of love and gentleness to anybody that has been affected by these big traumas and, um, and also to the rest of you for, for listening and joining us again for our kind of next round of podcasts. Um, we always love to remind you if you have anything you'd like us to talk about, we really welcome any suggestions. So you can message us through our Instagram or Facebook page um or through our collective websites or emails they're at the bottom of our show notes um you know we'd love you to follow our podcast rate it all that stuff that you meant to do <laughs> <You> <laughs> and share it we love that we, we love it to be out there as much as possible so thank you again for being here and um yeah we're wishing you lots of lots of gentleness in your family yeah so much love to you Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.